Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. I've had enough of this week. We have had enough bad news this week. It's time to... At least have the weekend. Yeah, thank goodness. Thank now goodness. you're going away for the weekend. I am actually doing a huge celebrity uh, event for the troops, um, and I'm going to be in Florida. And to me, the greatest part, John, we're honoring our veterans. It goes to all these veteran charities to help with post-traumatic stress. City, so I can't wait. I understand the city you're going to has 361 out of 365 sunny days. Oh, well, then that's good. Hopefully, hopefully I'm not doing one of those four. (laughs) (laughs) In the studio with us, we have some common sense people. We have the former governor of the state of New York, David Patterson, and also he was the Democratic uh, state chair uh, of of New York. And and we have the Republican state chair, uh, current state chair. We got Ed Cox and... And uh, welcome, guys. And uh, David was a great partner. We got things done. Yeah, you guys, you you both guys had common sense, and you got things done. And right now, we're in a mess. That was back when the parties worked together. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's a rarity these days. Well, you know, I don't know if the parties did work together, but Ed and I worked together. (laughs) And we we have Judge uh, Richard Weinberg, who uh, helped uh, uh, Peter Valone and David Dinkins get 5,000 new police officers. And save the city. And save the city. And save the city of New York. In 1992, was it? In 91? Right. right. By the way, get out and vote, John. To your point, Monday, uh, of course, we're going to be talking a lot about who you you should vote vote for and not vote vote for Tuesday's election day. We already voted. Saturday and Sunday. Vote early election, exactly. Absolutely. And you can vote Saturday and Sunday to 5 o'clock. Both days? On Tuesday. Yeah, it's so important, John. I'm so glad they're doing the early voting. We need common sense in our city council. There's 51 seats up. 51 out of 51. Vote for the people that when you call 911, there's going to be somebody there to answer. Yeah, it is more important than ever, John, that we have that. And we have someone who's backing the blue and supporting. By the way, I, I heard a story, too, about uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, you might have heard the same rumor, John. There's some, there was uh, a rumor going around today, and uh, uh, I passed it along to Rona McDaniel, who was in my office this morning. Uh, I said, uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy is such a talented guy. Whoever runs for president, why not pick him for vice president? He's so knowledgeable. That would be interesting. That would be a wonderful choice. A wonderful choice for the vice president. He's he's he was third guy. in line to be the president yeah, for a while. Yeah, he was speaker for uh, a long time, for a couple of years. Smart guy. Well, I understand we and have even, Tom DiNapoli yep. on the phone. And last night uh, we had Governor uh, Patterson 
ran up to the stage, <laughs> jumped on the stage, jumped on the stage <laughs> to introduce him. He was so excited. And I was there for the reception, but I missed this big. I, I hope it's on video. And we have uh, New York State Comptroller Tom DiNapoli, who was uh, also let's have there. Governor, let's say I have Governor Patterson introduce him since yeah. you introduced him the last jumper. time. The jumper. The jumper goes first. Yeah, and, is. Rabbi, <laughs> and, and Rabbi Potashnik's uh, big Ooh. dinner. And he is halfway through his fourth term. As a New York State controller uh, elected by the assembly in 2007, has done a great job, works with people on both sides of the aisle. Uh, please welcome the controller of the state of New York, Tom DiNapoli. This is a common sense lineup there. And, and, and John and Rita and David uh, and Judge Weinberg, I didn't see you there at last night. You were there in spirit. Yeah. You know, it, was a, it, was a it was a positive evening. John, you're right. What a week. Uh, but it was a good feeling, serious conversation, but honoring two special people, Reverend uh, A.R. Bernard, who's on your, your Sunday show with Rabbi Joe and Keith Kantrowitz, and, of course, the acrobatics of David Patterson were the highlight. But the message was... I would have unity. videoed it. Yeah. I would have videoed you it have if, video he, if it. he gave me a hint he was going to do it. <laughs> so, so, we, so, so, Tom, walk us through. Was it yeah. How good was the jump? Because I missed it. I'm hearing all about it. Let's just say my, my, my heart was up in my throat when I saw it. <laughs> oh, that's right. And you should have seen Mary... Pa- Patterson's face when he did it. <laughs> did, wow. did Mary know you were going to do it? No, I, I didn't sure. tell her. <laughs> oh, so he, it was spontaneous. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. But Rita, shout out to you for what you're doing for the veterans. You do it all the time. November is a special month because of Veterans Day. And, and your Thank Back you. the Blue segment on your evening show, we love it. And John, Rita does Thank a great you. job at night. Really, really and truly, I enjoy listening to her uh, all the time. But Tom, um, thank you. We also have to be positive that um, with all the troubles that are going on, uh, we do have to have uh, an ability to come together. You know, I look at the numbers all the time. John always asks me how we're doing. You know, could we be doing better? Absolutely. But, you know, the latest numbers that are coming in, certainly for the state, we're ahead of projections. That's good news. The negative, though, is the projections were lowered, right? So when you're talking about budget, Governor Patterson knows this well, you know, it's what's coming in versus your projections. So when we saw earlier in the years, we talked about on your show that we were falling short of projections, they actually lowered the projections. So now we're ahead of where we thought we would be. We're behind where we were last year, but at least we seem to be on target for this year's budget to stay in balance. Next year, though, we do have those out-year gaps. They've been slightly reduced. It's still going to be a challenging budget year. New York City, even a bigger issue. Why? You talk about a lot on your show, the cost of the migrants, the asylum seekers. The city can't bear all that on its own. The state, state is helping to an extent. We continue to need support from Washington financially to deal with this crisis. We also need a saner policy on immigration and how the border is being handled. It is still a big issue in our community. And, uh, and Gut Patterson, you have a question also about transit. You were so, talking. Mr. Controller, uh, uh, trans, uh, Secretary, Transit Secretary uh, Budovich was in in uh, town yesterday, and he did yeah. a kind of a town meeting over at the MTA, and they are talking about the $3.4 billion they'll expand the Second Avenue subway and other needs that they have. They don't seem to have changed their projections while the state has changed its. And at some point, um, I think that their representation, that they're going to have the Second Avenue subway finished, by the time that they say it will, will not come true. 
Well, you know, with those big ticket items, right, it's, it's, it's always the challenge because you put certain numbers out. I mean, you certainly saw the Woody Side Access. And by the time the project actually got done years later and billions of cost overrun, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. It, 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 they, it falls off in terms of what's projected. That being said, the MTA is in the best financial shape it's been in in a very long time. They got a big infusion of money from the state this past year. Uh, you know, we could debate about congestion pricing, and that's not totally done, but that's going to be a help to the capital program as well, assuming that it, it, it comes uh, to pass. You saw the increase in the mobility tax. That's some more revenue. The federal money through the COVID challenge kept the MTA afloat. The ridership is not back where it was pre-pandemic, but it is in that 60 to 70 percent range. And the MTA really depends on the fare box. So we do need safety on the subways, cleanliness, people using the trains and the subways and the buses again. That will ensure that the MTA's projections will hold together. So I would say, though, Governor, though, compared to what we were talking about with the MTA a couple of years ago, they're in the best condition they've been in a long time. What they have to focus now on is service. And, and, and safety and keeping the, uh, the system in an efficient use so that people want to, will want to be on the trains and want to be on the subways and want to be on the buses. So we can't let the system deteriorate. That's why those capital expenditures are so very important. Great to hear that. So, Mr. Controller, Ed Cox here. Uh, hey, Ed. Those out years you discussed, if you yeah. – three years – over the next three years, you're talking about $36 billion, maybe a little bit better well, now. They, they lowered it. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they lowered, lowered it a little bit. It's down to like $21 billion, so it's a little, little lower. But uh, there's still gaps. There's, there's still, still gaps. There's still gaps. And uh, what is the rainy day fund? Can that cover it? And what else is there? Is there any COVID funds left over to cover it? And uh, what happens if there's a recession? Well, the, well, that the last point is the big question mark, the big uncertainty. We don't obviously we don't have an answer that they've been projecting that recession for how many months now, and it hasn't been happening. But the rainy day funds are strong, and they've been in in a long time. You know, over nineteen billion. However, uh, they should really be there for for a true emergency. I think we would make a mistake to just always, you know, you know, spend yeah. down those rainy day funds. That you know, they're really there for true yeah. emergencies. So we shouldn't use rainy day funds as an excuse not to have fiscal discipline to make sure that when the budget decisions are being made, that spending and revenue is aligned. And that's always the problem, is that decisions are made often on spending that have implications in, in the out years. Uh, they're not accounted for, though, and that's how you end up with budget caps. And, and that's been a recurring problem in New York for a long time. We, we avoided it for a couple of years when we had all that federal money, but now we're back to it. You know, we, we, during better times, some new programs, worthy programs, uh, were initiated without necessarily the funding there to back it up. It's the same issue that the city is facing as well. So that's why I always say for, for my, my friends in the legislature and certainly with the governor, whenever decisions are being made, don't just look about balancing the budget for the current year you're working on. You've got to look at the out years. We don't do as good a job on that as we should Tom, both for the city and for the state. Tom, it's Richard Wormer. It was good seeing you last night. Yes. I want to ask you this question. You said that the, you Change your projections. The projections are down. Is there a correlation between the loss of population here in New York State and projections going down? Well, there's no doubt that we are uh, losing population. And in terms of taxpayers, 
there's there's a, a higher migration of people at the upper income end. And, and you know, rough numbers, the top 1% of our taxpayers pay for about 40% of the personal income tax revenue, which is the biggest source for the state uh, of our revenue. So we're very reliant on it. And, and certainly, that is an issue. Uh, it's not the stampede out of New York that some people sometimes describe, but those that say we're not losing people are wrong. We're losing people, and we're losing people at the upper end uh, who carry a great deal of, of the freight. So I think we need to be very mindful of that so that when the budget is being worked on, Governor Patterson remembers these days well as governor and, and as a member of the Senate, when you have to make tough choices on, on, you know, on spending or revenue, uh, very often the decision is still made to do the spending, sometimes to raise taxes, and we're a very highly taxed state. Or the third alternative, which concerns me as controller, if you don't want to make a tough choice on spending or on, on taxes, you borrow. Right. And, and New yeah. York is, is, is one of the most, and by some measures, the most heavily indebted state in, in the nation. We pay our bills. We have a good credit rating. But at some point, God forbid, we really do have a severe downturn with the economy. We're not going to be able to borrow our way through it as well. So it really gets back to making smart choices at the front. And I think yep, Governor, Hoch- yeah. Governor Hochul's been you know, signaling that it's going to be a tougher budget year next year. We all have to be mindful of that. Tom right. DiNapoli, thank, thank you. you so much, and uh, thank you for bringing everybody up to Dayton. And we hope New York does great because we live here, and God bless you, and uh, God bless America, and God bless New York. Thanks, thank John. you. Thanks, thank you, Tom. Everybody. Rita, Take care. Thank let's, go you. To, let's go to the national politics. Uh, tell me who you're bringing on. Yep, we've got Victoria Coates, Deputy National Security Advisor during the Trump administration. And, Victoria, there's so much to talk with you about. It looks like... First off, President Biden is getting wobbly on Israel. Tony Blinken's over there now, as we know, and they're pushing for this pause. Israel's going, we can't pause. We're surrounding Gaza City. We're ready to go in. Uh, This is crazy, Victoria. Well, Rita, John, good to be with you Uh, under these difficult circumstances. You know, we're a month into this, and I'm very worried about what we've seen over the last couple of days. And I just point out, you know, the White House has a bad political problem on their hands, which is more than half, uh, or rather the the president's approval ratings among uh, American Muslims, particularly among those in Michigan, have dropped to about 17 percent. This is a population he won by 59 percent in 2020. I don't know that he wins uh, that he wins. Michigan without their support. And so what you're seeing is the White House bow to that political pressure and start to backtrack from Israel, start to draw real clear equivalence, which is what Secretary Blinken did today in Israel between Israel and the Palestinians. And that's just going to be interpreted by the international community uh, by as the United States basically withdrawing support. Yeah, and it, it seems pretty clear. Um, by the way, the poll you talked about, uh, Ed, we, you and I were talking yeah. about this. Uh, Biden had 59% of the Arab American vote in 2020. They have 17, he has 17%. But, but that is really bad news, you know, and, and this comes also, you can't make this up. Uh, guess who as of yesterday is head of the Human Rights Commission at the UN? Ed, Ed, let's see if Ed knows. Human rights? Yeah, no. get this. I plead ignorance. All right, uh, Gov, do you know? Uh, I know. I have the slightest idea. Okay. All right, all right, Judge? Iran. Can, can you, you imagine can you making Iran oh, oh, head of that commission? Oh, okay. I mean, Vicky, it's almost like a skit from Saturday Night Live. You can't make it up. Well, wasn't wow. Castro head of that for a while? Yes, yes, yeah. and Libya too, right? Yeah. When they were like, right. uh, and during Benghazi, isn't right. that lovely? Yeah. 
You can't make it up. Hiring the fox to guard the hen house. Yes. 100%. Yes. But, so Victoria, it, but the, it shows the appeasement. But but isn't uh, the political problem, and I think this White House thinks in terms of politics, not in terms of international strategy, and the politics are that the far left of the party where Biden has gone with his administration, despite being elected as a moderate, uh, they prove to be somewhat anti-Semitic. And he has to sort of hedge himself. And that's why Blinken's over there saying, let's have a pause, which he really means that a, there's going to be a secession for a period of time. Of, well, in other words, a fight. what did yeah. Blinken say? Did he take instructions for President Biden? Yeah. <laughs> uh, have a pause, or otherwise I'm taking the aircraft carrier back? Well, just like the Ukrainian prosecutor? <laughs> Victoria? Follow the money. Well. Well, maybe maybe Israel's mistake was not hiring Hunter Biden. As exactly a, a right. Oh, in wow. Whoa. Yeah. Yes, I went there. I'm, I'm kind of done with all of this. This is ridiculous. What what the administration should be doing is making uh, the U.S.-Israel alliance what Jabotinsky called the Iron Wall, which is what gives Iron Dome and Iron Beam its name, this unshakable security pact that it clarifies to one and all where the United States stands. That's what President Trump did, and that we are not going to let them wipe Israel off the map, that that is our top priority. And once you do that, that is the only way you might start to change some Palestinian minds and get them to plan B, which would be finding a way to live with their neighbors, which all normal people figure out how to do. So, I, I mean, I really found Secretary Blinken's performance today quite shameful. I'm embarrassed for our country. And, and I think happened. it's dangerous, too, Victoria. That's what I feel like. It's a dangerous policy when you're playing. And you got Hezbollah today saying that uh, America will, quote, pay a price. I mean, the head of uh, Hezbollah, Hassan Nasrallah, probably one of the worst terrorists in the world, has a press conference threatening America he said, quote, uh, we didn't do the um, uh, 10-7 attacks, uh, but we are helping Hamas. The, the, I mean, give the me coin a, of the realm uh, in the Mideast is strength. And to wipe out Hamas, you show strength, and then you can go ahead with the uh, Abraham Accords and isolate Iran, et cetera. Yeah, uh, Governor Patterson, you got a question oh, for Victoria Coates. So, so uh, Victoria, I'm a Democrat, and, you know, I've been talking to Democrats all week, so I thought I'd appeal to you as a prominent Republican to explain to me politically how this works for the White House to take this position when, as we remember, what really elected Biden four years ago was the idea that he was reasonable and that he was centered. Well, Governor, I mean, you're also an American, so you look at these things, you know, I think with with a reasonable eye. I, I don't know how they recover from this. We had Afghanistan in 21. We had Ukraine in 22. Now we have Israel in 23. Three just catastrophic, self-inflicted wounds uh, on the international stage, opening us up to at least two, if not three, with one in the Pacific, if that were to happen next year. You know, massive liabilities for the American people. And I think, you know, the the argument that this was going to somehow restore lost American uh, prestige on the international stage, I think we, we have to admit that that simply has not happened. And, you know, how they go forward from here, you know, how they, they manage this, I think we're going to see some more polling next week, because while their numbers among uh, Muslim Americans have tanked, bear in mind, that's only 3% of the population. 
So my hope is that for their own political uh, skins, that they start to look at this and say, gee, those are swing voters in Michigan, and that's a problem. But if the other 97 percent are in a pretty different place, you know, maybe we should reconsider starting to withdraw some support for Israel, because from my perspective, that's the key. I think, you know, we, we have to do this. Uh, you know, unlike Ukraine, where there are wealthy neighbors that will help, Israel doesn't have that luxury. And so I think, you know, that's, that's where our focus needs to be, but also for the security of the American people. Well, that is, I agree, 1,000%. Well percent. Wow. Victoria Coates, we love you. We appreciate Thank you, you so being much. here on the show. Thank you, Victoria. Let's take a break. Thanks, and Have a great weekend. You Thank too. You. Uh, let's take a break, and uh, we're going to come back with Steve Forbes on the economy. But we even might play a two-minute tidbit, Rona McDaniel, from the GOP chairwoman, or chairman, or whatever we want to call person. her. Chairperson. Chairperson. Chair, chair individual. Yeah. <laughs> I refuse to be woke. Yeah, by the way, I agree. <laughs> okay. I, right. but for the record, I don't mind being called chairwoman. And we're going to do a you two- know, or chair. Just yes. call me chair. A chair? Yeah. We're going to do a two-minute <laughs> a two-minute tidbit on her, and then we're going to go to Steve Forbes. Let's do it. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby and, of course, talking about the economy and so much more. Joining us now, of course, is the great Steve Forbes. But before we get to him, uh, I want to play a little sneak peek because you have Rona McDaniel on on Sunday. Right? And I like Steve's, uh, Steve Forbes' opinion on it right, right after That's that. what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Let's, let's hear Rona for a minute or so, a minute and a half. Of course, the great RNC chairperson. Give us an update. What the heck is going on nationally uh, in Republican politics? Uh, the big item on your table, I guess, is presidential. Yeah. Uh, and uh, give us uh, your estimate of what's going on. So we have a big debate next week, next Wednesday in Miami with Hugh Hewitt and NBC. Uh, and we have the primary starting in January. January 15th is going to be the first caucus. So all these polls we're hearing about, we're actually going to have votes come January of 2024. It's 70 days away. Wow. And uh, when is the first debate? Uh, when, when is the first primary? The first caucus is January 15th in Iowa. So this is our step to taking back the White House because I believe that our nominee will beat Joe Biden. Uh, so if you have Biden and it looks like Trump is in the lead unless they find a way to shoot him down. And I mean, they, they, don't the American people realize that they're doing everything possible to shoot him down? You know, the American people are really suffering. They're worried about our national security. They have, they're worried about their own economic security. They're worried about the security in their streets when we see this rise in crime. They worry about their kids in school. They're not thinking about these lawsuits and this beltway back and forth and, and Biden going after Trump. They're thinking, 
how are these people going to take care of me and my family and make my life better? And that's what they're worried about because Biden has been a disaster for every single family in this country. Well, you're absolutely right because on his attack on the fossil fuel uh, companies, uh, he's uh, he's doubled the price of gasoline uh, since President Trump, and he he's uh, increased the price of food by twenty, thirty percent, and it, it actually made the American people poorer. He has not only that, he raised gas prices for us. He walked away from our own energy independence, and who profited? Iran, Iran, our enemy. Now have and, a, and Russia and Russia and they have a flush bank account. So what do they do? Iran says, "Well, we're going to go give money to Hamas," and they go attack Israel. So these this is bad policy from Biden that is making our world less safe. Wow, there's so much to talk about, John. Uh, especially well, in this race. I mean, the economy, as you're talking about, um, the economy has to be a big item. And and with us today is one of the country's leading economists. We have Steve Forbes and a real common sense guy. Steve, what do you think? Uh, well, the economy is facing a real headwinds, and the economy is slowing down. You saw that in the jobs report that came out. Uh, they revised downward by 100,000, the jobs for uh, August and September. Uh, October is weak in the sense that uh, they have two surveys. You have the headline one called the Establishment Survey, where they uh, survey businesses. But they also have what they call the Household Survey, where they call people and get a better response because they're calling them and uh, ask how things are. And the household survey has found that last month, instead of gaining 150,000 jobs, 300,000 jobs were lost. Now, to be fair, the household survey is very volatile, but for the last two months, it's been signaling that smaller businesses are uh, facing real headwinds on hiring. So where you have that, you have banks uh, tightening up on lending because of the regulators, and also what's happening in uh, areas of a commercial real estate. And the Federal Reserve still doesn't get the fact that uh, you don't fight inflation by trashing the economy. Now, they're not raising rates, but the, they, they engineered a, a downturn unnecessarily. And they did engineer a downturn, and, and, and it hurt so many industries. It, it destroyed some banks. It destroyed the, uh, the real estate industry. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say Mr. Powell uh, is not so smart, but I'm going to say it. He's not so smart. <laughs> <laughs> the judge said it for I don't care if he has an IQ that can boil water. Uh, it's all about judgment. And his yes. judgment and that of his colleagues is terrible. They have this idea that you fight inflation by uh, depressing the economy, trying to create more unemployment, trying to create a slowdown. You, cre- you fight inflation by stabilizing the value of the dollar. Uh, not by a trash and, and analyzing what's really wrong. And, and what's really wrong is if, if you double the price of uh, oil and uh, you make poor people poorer and middle class poorer, something has to hit. I, I can't say that four letter word. I'll say the other four letter word. The crap has to hit the <laughs> fan. <laughs> I think that covered it, John. Yeah, you're okay. Well, the FCC says that's okay. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, uh, the the American people are ready and willing and raring to go ahead. But uh, we have the, as you know, the administration piling on new regulations, waging war against uh, fossil fuels, especially oil and natural gas, and uh, which is hurting the world. We need natural gas. 
uh, especially in making fertilizer for countries in Africa. They, they, they face a real food problem. So uh, this administration, if you asked a, a government to do everything they could to slow the American economy, uh, they would be doing the very things this uh, crowd is in the White House. Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, Ed Cox, no, t- any questions? All right, so we got a $2 trillion annual deficit, uh, federal government. What's the impact of that, Steve? Well, what the impact is, it's sucking out $2 trillion from the American economy. And uh, so that debt has to be financed. And it would also mean next year, you have to keep in mind, there's about $4-plus of existing debt, government debt, that has to be rolled over, has to be refinanced. So uh, this is a great uh, weight on the economy, and uh, that means uh, uh, real people have less uh, real resources to move ahead. But actually, it's double coupons. What do I mean by that? Not only is uh, they're putting on more debt, the interest rates are the highest there ever been, and 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 the the government is paying more interest dollars than than paying money to fix problems, and which means they have yeah, less money to give they're, less money to give to localities and the states. Yeah, well, what they're as you know now, they're paying more interest on the debt than they are on uh, defending uh, defense, and it's going to get wow. worse as that uh, old debt gets rolled over. And the amazing thing is. The Federal Reserve, which, as you know, can create money out of thin air, is probably one of the first central banks in history that now has an operating loss. You know, they bought all those uh, cheap bonds, press interest rates, and now they're paying 4 or 5% on bank reserves and reverse repos for money market funds. So they're now losing money. Amazing. Well, central um, bank losing money. Um, <laughs> and, Steve, um, what did you make of also – um, Steve Forbes, the House passed this bill. Of course, it was the $14 billion. This is the Israeli aid bill. What was interesting right. is they said they're taking the money away from IRS because they, you know, they're saying we don't need 87,000 new agents, which I think many people agree. Um, so they're trying to send a message of being fiscally responsible. I thought it was obviously it doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere. The president says he's going to veto it. He doesn't want to stand alone. But what do you make of, of at least that signal? from a uh, house under a new speaker? Well, uh, I think they've got to uh, play that right or uh, portray it right, market it right, because uh, by uh, hitting the IRS, which I'm all for, uh, Democrats are saying, oh, they're just protecting the rich. Here they go again. So I'd like them to do uh, the hit on the IRS in a separate bill so that everyone can see it. And when they send it over, so every House member has to vote. You want 87,000 more agents. Uh, uh, slamming and crucifying the American taxpayer and then send it over to the Senate and have them go on record. Are you pro-IRS or are you pro-consumer? Uh, I'd like to see what happens there. Well, Steve Forbes, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on and, and giving the American people what really is going on. And, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Look forward to it. Keep fighting. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're coming back with Tony Schaefer. And he's got some interesting things to say. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. So much happening with Israel again. We heard 
the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, saying, oh, there's got to be a pause. Anybody in the military is going, what? Uh, Israel can't pause. They're just around Gaza City about to really they go. They surrounded Gaza yes. City, I they're, understand. They're finally, like, right there on the edge and joining us well, Maybe now. Tony could tell us what's going on. I think he could. We love Tony. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He is a former DOD intel operative. He's also the president of Project Sentinel. Uh Colonel Schaefer, we love you. Uh, your thoughts about what needs to happen militarily. Isn't that a disaster that the administration yeah. saying, wait, you're right there on the edge, but wait. No, Rita, you're correct. I mean, it, it, it is as stupid on its face as it appears to be. Right now, the Israelis are doing what they need to do. They're doing it carefully. And one of the hazards that we see constantly being put before them is that the Hamas continues to put civilians in harm's way. That is to say they're using a form of human shields by making sure that the Israelis are almost obligated to have to, to hit targets regarding Hamas leaders and their weapons and their ammunition because they put civilians there. So that's why you see these uh, reports, which I think are credible. I, I think that civilians are dying, but they're dying, Rita, because Hamas continues to put them in the way. And the, I, I have every confidence the Israelis doing everything they can within their power to achieve military objectives, this is this is war. They are engaged in warfare, and they're doing what they need to to gain terrain. And yes, they're about to take one of the core uh, areas that they have uh, been set out to do, Gaza City itself. So uh, the idea that Blinken is now over there sandbagging them, literally, is beyond the pale. And as a matter of fact, Senate Democrats are doing the same thing at this point. Yeah. Well, what about also Hezbollah? We heard from the head of Hezbollah today. I mean, this was... Think about how wild this moment is, Tony. Comes out, Hassan Nasrallah, and said, you know what, uh, we're going to continue. We're helping Hamas, and U.S. will pay a price if it expands. Uh, they, How concerning is this if it becomes really a two-front war? I mean, Hezbollah is definitely ramping up, Tony. Well, it's global. I mean, I talked to several members of law enforcement regarding uh, what they thought. You know, they basically asked for advice of what they should do to prepare because they believe the open border has resulted in the potential for uh, some sort of Hezbollah or Iranian strikes here. It's no small issue. So uh, with that said, the idea of the Iranians and Hezbollah coming in is a very real one. Uh, at this point, the administration, the Biden administration, has not done sufficient, uh, I would say, deterrence is a, is a kind of a term of art to make sure that the, the Iranians understand that there will be consequences. Right now, they're confident that they could probably jump in to help Hamas in a more aggressive way and not suffer consequences. So, again, this is no small issue, and it's something that could expand the war. And, and I think Hezbollah is completely serious about this. And, and Ed Cox here, and now the Russians are getting yes. to the act of saying that they're going to give uh, air defenses to Hezbollah. What's that about, Tony? So, yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, basically, the Wagner Group, which is a, a tool of foreign policy by the Russians, has said they're going to pro- provide them sophisticated anti-air systems, something like they've already given the Iranians, something that is actually fairly effective in that it, it gives a protective cover, theoretically, to the leadership at Hezbollah. That is to say that the Hezbollah leadership may feel, with Russian support, they could afford to go into an expanded battle. So this is a, a lot, the shades of 1973, when the Russians were doing the same thing, trying to help the Arabs 
facilitate uh, operations against the United States and the Israelis back then. And back then, the President of the United States went to DEFCOM 3 and kept and Moscow out of the Mideast. Tony, would, would, those, would they have the capabilities of shooting down aircraft in the aircraft carriers? Absolutely. Some of these systems are that sophisticated. That's what uh, they're, they're threatening. Right now, uh, there is a, a, a semi-permissive environment. That is to say that most of our aircraft can get it in and out of there like they did the other day when they struck the ammunition dumps in Iraq. When you add this additional layer of, of anti-air, you do add some layer of, of complexity that we have to deal with. We have aircraft that can do it, John. I'm not saying we couldn't do it. I'm saying this would be definitely an expansion of the, the tempo and nature of the conflict, much more something that, that again, the Hamas and, and Hezbollah guys would, would be emboldened by to, be, to increase the scope of their attacks. Tony, it's, it's Richard Wamberg. Good to talk to you hey, again. Richard. Let me ask you this question. We, so we have the aircraft carriers there. What the, can they do if this is, increases with Hezbollah getting involved and the Wagner Group sh- putting in that equipment to support Hezbollah? We have, as I mentioned, very sophisticated weapon systems which could counter most of that. But again, Judge, it, it's an expansion of the conflict. We're, we're talking about essentially a, a local, within the borders of, uh, of Israel, conflict expanding out to the region. And any time you go to the region, there's a potential to expand past that. So that's what I think they're trying to threaten here. Hezbollah and the Iranians is expanding it out. And we have to be cautious because... They, the Russians and Chinese, want us to be drawn into this because they see this as weakening us even even more. So I'm not saying we shouldn't do things. I'm saying we have to be very cautious and effective in what we decide to do. And, and right now, deterrence are not working. That is to say, nobody believes Tony Blinken begging for a ceasefire and Joe Biden saying uh, kind of spurious things about the, the Hamas fighters needing to have time to pull civilians out of the, the Gaza area is not helpful. Well... Tony Schaefer, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for the update for all uh, the million people that are listening to us, and uh, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Great. Thanks, John. Well, let me tell you something. If you weren't worried uh, now, before, now you're worried even more now. I mean, if, if the Russians are giving sophisticated aircraft to Hezbollah, what do you think? Well, the next step is Iran. If Hezbollah gets in, uh, of course, they, all those missiles came from Iran. Does Israel go after Iran in this? Do they have the capability of doing that? Well, I think they're going to use Hezbollah because uh, Hamas is out of missiles. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, this you, is, you know, this I, is I, very, I like to tell jokes because I, I, I don't know if I should called, laugh or cry. It's called, gallows, it's called gallows humor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this, is, this is the most dangerous time in our lifetimes, we, and we have in the White House, in the State Department, in the Defense Department, the weakest leadership we've had, and this is dangerous. By the way, uh, we're going to be after the break. We're going to uh, go to Nicole Mayotakis, but we have uh, Admiral Stavridis is going to go on this Sunday show with Katz and uh, Car- uh, well, not Katz and Cosby, Katz Roundtable this Sunday, and uh, uh, we did a two-minute clip or something like that. Let's. Let's go to uh, Admiral Stavridis, and then we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get Nicole Mayotakis to find out what the heck is going on. You have had a, a fantastic uh, career and helped our country so much. Uh, have you ever seen our country in such a mess, or have you ever seen the world in such a mess? Uh, we, we have Hamas and, uh, and Israel. Where do you want to start? <laughs> 
Well, let's start with the world and let's start, I think, front of mind for most people, John, at the moment is the Middle East. And I'll break it into three parts, if you will, past, present, future. So past, as a professional national security expert, past is how did this happen? How did the Israeli uh, special services, their intelligence services, their military intelligence, how did they miss this? It's a 9-11 level event, and the Israelis, just like we did, I was in the Pentagon on that terrible day. It took us about two years to really figure out what happened. What I think we're going to discover in the case of Israel is, first, it is complacency. They had lived alongside Hamas for 15-plus years. They just didn't take it as seriously as they needed to. Related to that, internal divisions in Israel, a lot of distractions for governments in five years. And number three, you have to give credit to Hamas. They came up with new innovative technologies, everything from hang glider attacks to using couriers and landlines instead of cell phones. So I want to know what happened, and I want to draw lessons from that for us here so we can make sure it never happens again to us, the present. Uh, right now, Israel is very effectively counter-firing against Hamas. They have probably between 10 and 20,000 troops already inside Gaza. They're cutting off Gaza City in the north. That's all good news. But the bad news is there's a massive humanitarian disaster unfolding in front of our eyes. Egypt and Jordan are going to have to step up and take refugees and Israel is going to have to find a way to balance offensive operations with uh, allowing humanitarian aid to flow in. They're probably going to have to hit a point of some kind of temporary ceasefire in operations to allow that to happen. Might give Hamas a little bit of breathing space. I think that's okay because Israel will never forgive and never forget. They'll go right back to it after they accommodate the refugees. And then third and finally, John, the future, I know a lot of listeners are wondering, will this expand beyond Israel and Hamas and Gaza? I think I'm cautiously optimistic it will not, that it will be confined to that area. Uh, but I will tell you the thing to watch, watch the actions of Hezbollah, the terrorist group to the north of Israel. It is a creature of Iran. And if Iran makes the mistake of unleashing Hezbollah, they have many, many missiles against Israel, then I think the U.S. would get pulled in to assist Israel in knocking down that threat to the north. Well, that was that's just a tidbit of the interview we're doing Sunday morning. And uh, tune in Sunday morning on the Cats Roundtable uh, uh, between uh, nine, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. And Admiral Stavriz will be in about 9 o'clock. And uh, he was Supreme Allied Commander of NATO for four years. So he knows his stuff. And uh, let's take a break, and we're going to come back with Nicole Mayutakis and find out what the heck is going on in Washington. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, with us today is Congresswoman uh, Nicole Mayutakis and so many things are going on in Washington. So many things are going on in, in New York City. Uh, Nicole Mayutakis, Congresswoman, what the heck is going on? And I understand, you know, we got 51 city council races coming up. 
And there's one in uh, in Brooklyn that's going to be very sensitive with Ari Kagan. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. This is one of the hottest races in the entire city, John. We have an opportunity to get rid of Justin Brannon, who voted to defund the police by a billion dollars, who voted to close Rikers Island uh, and open up a jail in Brooklyn, who wants who wants to continue to fund these migrant shelters in our communities. And that is why I am endorsed. Ari Kagan to defeat Justin Brannan. And this district is in Bay Ridge. It's the Bay Ridge, Bath Beach, Coney Island, Seagate. Um, and we, we urge everyone to come out and vote. It also includes a little bit of Gravesend as well. And people can go to, uh, obviously, vote.nyc to see where they can vote early tomorrow. Or, of course, you can vote on Tuesday, November 7th. I know that Sid Rosenberg endorsed him too, and I, I think that uh, uh, Curtis Sliwa endorsed him, uh, endorsed her. Uh, I mean, Ed Cox. Do you know anything about the, uh, that race or, uh, or Governor Patterson? That's a close race. He's pretending that he did not uh, do uh, defund the police, but he sure did. And I hope we're playing that over and over, Nicole. That's right. Uh, Justin Brandon did vote to defund the police, and Rosanna Scotto even called him out on it on Fox Five and pulled up his tweet. Uh, from 2020. Imagine that in 2020, when there were riots in the street, when the police were being attacked, Justin sided with uh, Mayor de Blasio to cut their funding. And that was really, and he also, by the way, increased uh, property taxes. This is the finance chairman of the New York City Council. So Justin Brennan also is the architect behind the budget that increased property taxes, which you know, if you're a renter, it's passed on to you in the form of rents. You get hit regardless. That's that's really what's behind the cost of living going up so much in New well, York City. Be, be, so here's a real opportunity. Besides interest rates and real estate taxes, I think half the real estate people in New York are going to go broke. That, that's right. John, look, there's a complete disregard of the city council for hardworking taxpayers. And, you know, just today... Uh, you know, I, I passed legislation. Well, actually, we all, we're on the verge of passing legislation that would actually cancel the congestion pricing fee. And Jerry Nadler is going after me on Twitter uh, because he wants to see this cash grab of a congestion pr- pricing, which would be another hit on the on the hardworking taxpayer person trying to come into the city to either do their job or just enjoy. Uh, they should, they should postpone. They should postpone it. Till uh, the you know New York gets better and, and it makes a comeback. I mean, otherwise they're putting another nail in the coffin. That's right. Well, hopefully Governor uh, Governor Hochul is listening to you, John, because it seems uh, that most Democrats in this city, if not all, have been really silent on this issue of charging you know, another uh, twenty three dollar tax to drive into Manhattan and 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 you know they never want to actually go up to the MTA and fix the problems of the MTA fiscally. Governor uh, Patterson, one instead keep asking for more money. We have no, Governor Patterson. No, I just wanted to go on record that I think this is not the time for congestion pricing. A common sense Democrat. Let the record reflect. It is a few around. How about, your, how about yourself? <laughs> Me too. I'm a common sense Democrat too, Governor. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Governor. Thank you, uh, uh, Judge Weinberg. And uh, I, I'm sure that Ed Cox feels. Uh, Are you? Of course. <laughs> it's just I a, feel, another hidden tax. It's one of the worst ideas that ever come why up. Why don't with. we fix New York City first, and then you can glom? You know, take some more blood of out of, out of our system uh, on congestion pricing. You know, it's enough is enough. Uh, anything else, Nicole? Yeah, well, let me say this. Today, the House actually passed uh, my uh, provision that would cancel the contract. 
uh, the, of migrant shelters at Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn. Now, let's see what, Jer- uh, what uh, Senator Schumer does. Remember, this is his borough, Brooklyn. These are his neighbors that are unhappy with this migrant encampment, 2,000 individuals that they want to put at Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn. I did my job in the House to cancel that contract. Let's see what Chuck Schumer does in the Senate. Wow, you guys are playing hardball now. And let's see what happens. And thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch up with you again. Have a great weekend. And we'll catch up to you next week. Always great Make to sure you, you vote. Speaking. Make sure you vote. <laughs> uh, okay, that was Nicole Mayotakis and uh, 51 city council seats up. Make sure everybody votes. Uh, and um, there's something good happening for a change. Uh, we have... Remember Caroline, uh, who had the comedy clubs? Oh, yes. Well, yeah, very famous clubs. Yes. Yeah. And now there's something going on in the city starting tonight, and we got a two minute tidbit. Put on Caroline. What is today is the famous Caroline Hirsch. She's been on the New York scene forever, and she's one of the runs restaurants, comedy stores, comedy shops. Caroline, I heard you have some big announcement. What's going on? Well, tonight we start the run of the New York, 19th New York Comedy Festival all around New York City. We have about close to 150 shows and over 200 comedians all around the city this week from tonight, November 3rd through next Sunday, the 12th. And on Monday night, we celebrate our 17th year of Stand Up for Heroes that we do with the Bob Woodruff Foundation at the Geffen Hall. And it's a big, big event and we've raised, you know, way over 70, Five million dollars for the Woodruff Foundation, which gives its funds to veterans from the Afghani and Iraqi war. So, we're so you, you, you will. Event. So you are having the big event Monday night, and you're having comedy events all over the city. Um, I live in New York City in Manhattan. Where would I go if I wanted to go someplace? Well, you could go tonight and see uh, Jeff Ross at the Hard Rock Hotel, or you can go to Carnegie Hall and see Jimmy Carr, Anthony Jeselnik, Matteo Lane, Brett Goldstein, and Shane Gillis also. You can go see them at all at Carnegie Hall. Then you could go see Brett Goldstein at the Beacon Theater, and then at Madison Square Garden, go see Bill Burr. understand. And is there a website I can go to to check out what else is going on? Yes. Yes, NewYorkComedyFestival.com. Go to the website and you'll be able to find um, something that you would want to do every night of this week. And then also look for New York's Funniest, which will also be Saturday the 11th at the Hard Rock Hotel. Carolyn Hirsch, thank you so much. I will check your website and I will definitely go to at least one event. And, uh, and uh, let's have fun and let's open up New York again. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks, John. Well, I hope New York opens up and having comedy and uh, that sounds great to me. And we need a we need a few smiles so we don't cry all the time. You bet. Well, thank you guys for being here, Governor Patterson, uh, uh, Ed Cox, uh, Judge Weinberg, and what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America.